This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Good morning. Hey, y'all. How are you? It is wonderful to be back. I have to say that I particularly appreciated Laura's words of welcome to Elizabeth and Elizabeth to this community that here we adopt each other. Um, I could not help but reflect, as she said that, how you adopted me and my family in 2012, it was, good lordy, in 2012, um, and the four wonderful years of life I got to spend here, and the ways you nurtured my family and me as we went through some joyous times and a couple of hard times, so thank you very much. I also have to say as a piece of that, that a couple of weeks ago I got to be way down east, um, almost on the Outer Banks. And um, I was working with a congregation, not actually in my district, but the place I'd been invited to go to do some work. And um, one of the leading lights of that congregation said to me, um, basically he wanted to know when I had last done honest religious work. He said, when were you last a pastor? And I I said to him, well, in Apex. And he went, wow. Uh, So your reputation as a community of faith that witnesses to the world exceeds far beyond the bounds of Apex or Wake County, but as you know, through the mission life of this community, through all you do, the way you give of yourselves and make a witness for Christ Jesus, you literally touch the world to be a part of this congregation. So God bless you and thank you for who you are. And to thank you to Laura and to Sheila and to Tim for the kindness of an invitation to be back among you. It's a joy. So I need your help. Um, We're going to talk today about things that you remember and why you should remember and how you should remember. And memory is um, a funny thing. Um, The wonderful thing is not every one of you can do this well uh, because I'm going to ask you to take a moment and answer two questions. You'll have to talk among yourselves. Um, The first two questions are going to have to do with me. We'll have a break and then we'll have other questions. Um, This is not an ego trip. Uh, I know church folks, church people talk. So even if I've not gotten to meet you before, you've heard stuff about me, um, and you have discussed various pastors. Um, At least I've heard you do it, so I suppose you have continued to do it. (laughs) So take a moment, and I want you with somebody, even if you didn't know me, like an Elizabeth, um, though you'll be blessed to be in this congregation, um, to take a moment and to share two things, what you heard about Gray that's good and what you heard about Gray that's bad. So what have you heard about Gray that's good? And what have you heard about Gray that's bad? You have about a minute, so go for it. I'm serious, go for it. Y'all have done this already, you might as well do it in front of other people. Okay, that was a short minute in my own best interest. Let's keep it short. That was an uncomfortable amount of laughter, but um, who has it talked about somebody before? Let's be honest. Uh, We're not going to explore what y'all said. You can tell me after church. Now, take a minute or two and talk about what we do at church that makes you remember and what of your church memories are good and what of your church memories are bad. Yesterday evening, I got to go to meet a really close friend of mine in Charlotte at the Hornets game. The Hornets are not having a great season, but it was still fun to see my buddy. Um, And I actually said in the car a moment before I went inside the um, Coliseum to meet him, because um, on the evening news they broadcast a story about a man I was taught 
when I heard about him in college and then in divinity school to admire, a Christian witness who shaped ministry to people with developmental challenges around the world. And, it is now, and I have wonderful memories, wonderful memories. I actually have gotten to meet the guy twice. But in the last week, it has come out that he has six times abused a woman on his staff. Not, um, thanks be to God, one of the people with developmental challenges, but a woman on his staff. And so my memories of him and of church are beautiful because I've actually gotten to live in uh, one of the communities he helped organize for a brief time, a few days, to sort of see how they do it. My memories are not all good. You get it? Beauty and pain. I suspect if we're honest about what we do here at church and the things, the good church members you have, you'll hear lovely things. If we're honest, you're also going to talk about some frustrations. Talk among yourselves. Why do you remember this lovely about church and why do we do here to recollect beautiful things? Why do we talk about the church that's pain or that causes you pain? Go for it. So, who in here will do it by show of hands? can remember something beautiful at church that you recollect with a lot of joy and happiness. Good. Who in here can recollect something full of pain the church has caused you've been a part of? Realistic. Yeah, think just truth. So memory is a beautiful thing. We sing songs about it. Last night on the way home from the game, I heard three songs about, I remember this, or um, you're doing this to me right now, and I remember when you did it to me before, and I liked that. Um, I heard all sorts of songs like that about stuff you can remember and what you do remember and how beautiful and how painful. We in the church try to make people do that, remember the good. Um, at communion even, we say, we remember the night, the Lord Jesus. At baptism, we remember the Lord's baptism. This is the Sunday called the Transfiguration, the Sunday traditionally observed before we go into Lent to help us remember the glory of Jesus. And then Laura did a sweet job of announcing that we could come together to have a good time and a good meal before we recollect that Jesus died. And we have to recollect Jesus died and then recollect he rose. So church is about the job of remembering. Now, memory is a funny thing. Um, the longer someone is gone from you, as a rule, particularly if they have died, um, the better they grow and the less wicked they become. Um, our Jewish sisters and brothers have a wonderful prayer where they say, and our memories, she grew stronger, and our memories, her faults faded. Because that's just truth. That's the way people treat folks. But if we're truthful, our memories are a real mixed bag, particularly about church and maybe even for some of us about life in the Spirit. This is a story that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all unite to remember because it must have been so incredible to them. And in this moment when Jesus is transfigured, he teaches us how to live with the good and the bad memories that we have from life and from church alike. This version of the story comes from Matthew's 17th chapter. Listen with me. Six days later, that is six days after Jesus announced to his disciples for the third time he would be crucified and for their sake would suffer, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them and Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. 
Suddenly there appeared to the disciples Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them all, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when the disciples looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As the disciples and Jesus were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Amen. I don't know quite what happened to Jesus on the mountaintop, but I do know that Peter did what I think I would have done. He wanted to capture the moment, memorialize it, we would say, and keep it forever. Beautiful moments you want to keep forever. But the danger, of course, is that when Peter had that beautiful experience, he wanted to keep it forever. He was going to build three little booths and shove Jesus and Moses and Elijah into one piece, and he and his buddies could stay on the mountaintop and the world go to hell, and everything would be okay because he was there with Jesus. And yet, as we we're plainly told, um, they were freaked. Um, or in the words of the evangelist Matthew, they were terrified, which I would translate for everyday speech, they were freaked out. Um, and so they were also full of fear at what they remembered. And then Jesus compounds the whole situation because it sort of goes away, the beautiful experience, and they're told not to talk about it until they have another experience of Jesus and understand more. The world are we to make of all that? I think it's Jesus' invitation to us to know how to live as a Christian in this world. First and foremost, there's the invitation of Jesus that if you've ever experienced grace, and I would tell you if you have ever even heard Jesus and the power of Almighty God sung about as beautifully as we heard it this morning and as we sang, if you've ever had a moment's hope or thought that there is a God there for you and for me, that's what Jesus came to witness to. He shone so that his disciples would understand that what he said was true. When he glows in our memory or we have some sense of Christ in our lives, that is the beauty we are to hold on to. Now, some of us have had an experience of Christ unlike anything else we ever anticipated. And some of us have never had any sort of Christian experience outside what people tell us about to start with. And that doesn't particularly surprise me. Um, I've had both. I've gone long lengths of time and have been very dependent upon what the Bible and other Christians say. I have had a couple of mountaintop moments myself, and I've spent most of my life since those mountaintop moments contemplating what they really means. But I don't really think it matters. I've had some mountaintop moments with the girl I married, and I've had some moments that were not so mountaintop. Um, and a couple of times I've done in my marriage what I knew I was supposed to do even though my heart was not in it, because that's what I know you're supposed to do. Isn't that how relationships run, right? Sometimes really high, sometimes really low, sometimes really calm, sometimes really beautiful. Susan knows I'm going to say all that, but if she didn't know I was going to say it, she'd say, yes, yeah, so what? I suspect it's run the same way for her too. 
when you have an experience, be it word of mouth you've heard about, you heard about Laura before she came because you went online and checked her out, you heard about Laura since she's been here from other people talk about her, you heard about Gray, talk about, I don't know who, Ellen Rose, Tim, maybe we flatter ourselves and they don't talk about us, but I think they probably do because that's part of the human experience. And so Jesus gives his disciples this experience, and we're told about it so we can see the shining of God's love on us throughout this world. In the creation, we sang about to be sure, but in the love of God in the flesh of Jesus Christ, love so strong and love so mighty that the man Jesus was willing to die for us, his people. And yet, love that will never die for God raises him from the dead. And we're to hang on to those memories. And more about that in a moment. But also, because we are broken and troubled people, experiences beyond our control, like Peter, James, and John experienced, freak us out. And life freaks us out. This past week, like some of you could have done, I went to the funeral of a dear friend and saw her son who is facing his own terminal illness at his mother's funeral. I can't imagine what that must be like. And the son said to me, this gives me hope and scares me to death. And I said, yeah, I get both. Hang on to the hope and be honest about the fear. So when Jesus was transfigured, however that happened by the power of God, when folks sort of show, saw him shining, they're alive with the radiance of God, the disciples are both attracted, oh, let us just keep this experience, and they are terrified, they are freaked out, and Jesus has to touch them as he will touch us in our pain and give them comfort and guidance into a new way. So naturally, the church in anything that has that sort of power has sometimes disappointed us one of the other pastors who participated in that funeral I did was confronted, and I get why, after the service, um, because he made passing reference to visiting the lady who died, and um, the person who confronted him said, but you never came to see me after my daddy died. I think that was a beautiful thing, and my friend handled it well, because that person's memory of his father's death is clouded by this pastor's unavailability. And they needed to reconcile to each other. And so the person who sought him out in the meeting space after the service had to confront the painful memory he has of feeling let down by the guy that for him at that point represented Jesus. And they have to work that through to get to a new place. So I'm sure that some of you have not only beautiful memories but some painful memories but notice those painful memories do not ever take away from the power of Jesus shining on us. You just have to be careful to deal with them like the disciples and Jesus dealt with them so they don't destroy the power of Jesus alive and at work for us. As they're going down the mountaintop, Jesus says this sort of quizzical thing to his people. He says, um, basically, um, don't talk a lot about this until you figured more about it figured out something about it. He actually says, don't talk about it until I've, or the Son of Man has been raised from the dead, until you can make more sense of it. What Jesus is saying to us 
is you need to stay engaged with me. It's not enough to have sweet memories. I have a lot of memories of things. But until I stay engaged, until I show up to meet Jesus at worship, until I make the praise of Jesus audible, until I give some of my energy and time to study the word of God and engage with Jesus and Jesus' people, until I pour myself out of myself toward Jesus, Jesus will never be very real to me. So Jesus said to the disciples, this is not going to make any sense to you until later on. What he was saying to people who had just known both a joy and a horror is to hang in there. Keep working it through. As you've got beautiful memories and hard memories, you have to keep working it through because eventually the light of God and risen power will shine upon you and you'll understand more, you'll understand better. That is just like my life. At least in my experience, the longer I live and the more I reflect and the more I work and the more I attempt to grow, the clearer and stronger I become in what I know to be true and the clearer and stronger you will know what is true. Jesus was transfigured. The disciples have a lovely memory. Jesus was transfigured, and because of all this discussion between Peter and Jesus and all this stuff and the booming voice, the disciples were scared and had a negative experience. And the memories had to be clouded, good and bad alike. But Jesus said, my light will shine upon you again. That is Jesus' promise to us, to live with memories that are glorious and who live with memories that are crud, who live with memories of going to live in a house with people who could not tie their own shoe, to follow the example of a man who witnessed to how to love a brother who will teach you something about yourself, and then the horrible memory to 25 years later finding out he has feet of clay. And Jesus will live in us for one simple purpose, to draw us to himself, that his light can shine on us, and that as Jesus' light shines on us, we will someday be in a place where there is neither shadow, nor sighing, nor sorrow, but only the light of Jesus, who promises to transfigure each of us. And that, friends, in this world is a good memory and a good news. And that, friends, for us will be life and peace and joy today and tomorrow. And that, friends, is the good news of Jesus for us. Would you pray with me? To tell you the truth, God, we have wonderful memories of you or sometimes just ordinary come and going from church. To tell you the truth, God, many of us have very hurtful and pain-filled memories of how church and even you have let us down by our own lights. But you are the one who has created beautiful memory for us by acting in Jesus. So continue to act, we pray, that we can live at peace and in hope and in trust. Continue to shine on us, Jesus, so that in the light of your, your love, we can live with what has hurt us and look to you for what will give us life and joy and laughter and peace. For that, we thank you, Lord. Transfigure us, we pray to look at you anew as you shine on us. Amen.